What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Swamp and Stomp podcast. I am your host, Mark Barton, and in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Danny Perez, the other half of Swamp and Stomp, and we'll be joined by our buddy, Todd Reichert. And we're going to talk about all kinds of different topics that are related to deer hunting. I wish I could pin down like one particular topic, but basically what we did is I went through our Instagram and our Facebook pages and I looked at all of the questions that we had in our messages from all of you guys that have come in over the past uh, couple of months. And we just went around the table and just kind of randomly picked out questions and uh, we all gave our opinions on them. So um, it was a really good time and I think there's some pretty interesting information in there. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode um, and make sure that you subscribe or follow our podcast. We really appreciate if you do. But before we dive into this, I wanna tell you how you can support this podcast. Uh, so first of all, you can go check us out on some of our other media pages. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, um, even TikTok, just look up Swamp and Stomp. Or you could uh, buy some of our High Pine uh, camo and you can get that on our website, which is www.swampandstompllc.com. Um, and in case you're not familiar with this camo, um, it's designed specifically for the elevated hunter. It has the sky in the background and uh, so it works incredibly well when you're hunting uh, from a tree. Um, so go check it out. Uh, we'd really appreciate if you'd buy some of that camo. And and it's not just camo. I mean, it's it's really good quality clothing. You know, we tried to make uh, something that we would want to use ourselves. So um, you know, it's moisture wicking, like performance gear. Um, all of it's really good quality stuff. So um, don't hesitate. And uh, let's see, the last thing you can do is go check out some of our sponsors. There's gonna be some coupon codes down in the, the description of this episode. So make sure you check those out and I'm not gonna hold you any longer. Let's dive right into the episode. Well, that's in the podcast now. <laughs> All right, we're recording. Um, what's up everybody? Um, we are out here at hunt camp-ish type situation. We are in Port St. Joe, right across the channel from St. Vincent Island, getting ready for our first island hunt tomorrow morning. It is I, Mark Barton, and... Swamp and Stomp Danny. Or just Danny Perez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have our special guest, who's yeah. not that special. Uh, actually, you're pretty special, Todd. Yeah. Introduce yourself. I'm Todd. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of here against my will. Wait, what? Listen, <laughs> you weren't supposed to mention the ropes. Yeah. I, I was Todd's told, over here tied up. I was we forced him to come hunt with us. He keeps saying that this is a guided hunt, which is not true. Um, Todd is actually, uh, yeah, what's the the link here he you came in as a patreon like this weird dude that was like oh i'm a patreon no 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 i didn't join i i met you at a bha event and i said uh i like your videos and you said which one and then i didn't have an answer so you, oh away. yeah you were like totally you were totally full of it you're like i love your videos but you hadn't really watched any and uh yeah, and so when I asked you which one, you're like, I don't know. It's like when somebody goes up to like their favorite, their favorite. Oh, I love your music. What songs? Uh, yeah, it's cool though. I feel like at this point you 
watched every video. Actually, I just kind of play them in the background so you get the view and then I do something else. <laughs> He's like, I don't actually care about your videos. I'm just trying to be a good friend. Like, I'm in it for the for the hang time with Danny. <laughs> Not Mark. Look, Danny puts me on guided hunts. He just made an awesome meal. He got me an e-bike ah. to ride, even though we didn't charge the battery. I found all the questions. Um, yeah, so we, we went and had some venison tacos. Um, uh, Mark was kind enough to provide the venison. And uh, Todd was kind enough to provide the taco. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh yeah anyway so what we're gonna do on this uh podcast <clears throat> is um i put a post up on instagram a while ago asking people uh to ask questions for the podcast so this is kind of gonna be like a q a these are all hunting questions um i don't really know what's in here because i wrote these down so long ago so we're just gonna go through them you guys want to just like take turns reading them yeah sure all right you can go first i'll read this one notes september 18 2023 at 11 40 54 a.m <laughs> question <laughs> when do you use a rattle and calls is it a time frame is it a dependent on something else okay when to use calls for deer, for deer hunting. Um, Todd, when do you use calls? Mostly when I get bored. <laughs> That's actually but, pretty accurate for yeah. me too. <laughs> but to, to be fair, I don't have a lot of public land experience. So I've really only just shot the deer that hang out in my front yard. Yeah. And my wife's garden vegetables. And then she points it out. She goes, that one has to go. We, and, uh, we, we should probably preface this with the fact that we have like three vastly different experience levels sitting at this table like todd's very very much like a beginner three years into it but has only harvested deer from his front yard and, uh, only from private was, yeah. oh and there was and there was that one yeah that, that six point and then there's me who's been at it for like seven years and danny who's a lifer so uh you'll get a you you'll get a mixed perspective here anyway um calls um <clears throat> Well, I'm sure everybody's going to have a different answer, but for me, like, I always feel like, um, one, if I know that the rut's like really going, that's when I'll try to rattle. If I, and I, I want to know that there's like a dominant buck around, like, I don't know. I feel like younger bucks are likely to be, uh, like, like they'll, they'll like turn and go the other way when they hear bucks going at it. Um, but a bigger buck is going to like it, it. And this is like just the story I have in my head of like how it goes. But I feel like an, an older dominant buck is going to be like challenged. And they're like, who the hell's in my, my space? Like, I'm going to go over there and whoop their butts. So, yeah. And that's the only time I've ever really had things like come into a rattle is when it's an older, like mature buck. That's pretty dominant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I think that it has a lot to do with the buck state of mind at that moment. Like if you have a buck that just cruising, passing through, um, you know, he may or may not uh, pay you any attention. As far as rattling goes, um, it's hit or miss. And you may not only pull out bucks. You know, I've seen a lot of videos where people rattle and pull in does yeah. and all kinds of other um, 
I think they're just curious. Age is, they're just curious to see what's going on. Yeah. Who's fighting? It's like a fight in the schoolyard. You know, the principal shows up and it's like, hey, what's going on? And then he um, starts betting on it. You know. Yeah. So you never know what's going what's going to happen <laughs> with a rattle. But as far as like calls stuff go, um, that's all dependent on what what may be happening. Like for example, if you have a a buck that might be on a hot doe and he's kind of trailing and looking for that doe and you do like a um a bleat or like that wine um the doe bleat then there's a pretty good chance he's going to turn around and come to investigate at minimal yeah now the problem is that there's a chance that if the wind is any kind of way that he may want to go downwind and try to figure it out yeah. by his nose first because like dogs deer are very um meticulous on how they pick things apart nose first and then they do their hearing and then they do their eyes so um they're going to try to figure out where this what the smell is and where it's coming from before they move in on it and unless it's like a immature buck where they may come up come up to it to get their eyes or ears first before they get well, their I nose I think more than point. anything, they just like aren't thinking about the fact that like, oh, that might be danger. You know? Yes, but that's comes with age. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have a, an older deer that's, you know, four to five years old or even a young deer that has had experiences where he's busted people, then he's probably going to go ahead and, yeah. and try to pick it apart with his senses before he goes and makes a move on just eyes and ears. So I think, I think that's uh, a good example of um, that, like. You know, part of the question was like, is there like certain situations that you would do it in? And like, do you remember the buck that I missed last year at the beginning of the season? Um, if you watch that video, like I did kind of like the, the, the dub over, like I was talking about the mistakes that I'd made. Mm. But as I'm explaining it, one of the things that was going through my head is like when I spotted that buck like 200 yards out, it was downwind. And so. Uh, I didn't make any noise until it had moved around to where if if it came straight into me, it, it was not. You. Yeah, it wasn't going to come in straight downwind. So you really want to think about what the wind's doing. And if there's an easy way for them to get downwind of you, like it's probably better to just stay quiet and let them move. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, grunting, like deer grunting all the time. Oh, yeah. So like it's not going to hurt your hunt to grunt, I think, unless like Danny said, it's going to give them give away your location to where they can start looking for you or trying to get your scent. Get downwind and figure you yeah. out. So, so, so I think those, those are a lot of things that you want to take into consideration. And at least for Florida, um, I think those are critical points over the time of year because you never know when a buck is running here or you never know when a doe is going into heat and how they're going to be reacting. But you do know that they're going to catch your scent if they get downwind. Because I don't care if it's December or February in Florida. Um, it's going to be warm enough where your scent is being lifted off your body and into the airstream. Yeah. So always take that into consideration. Yeah, there's definitely those days are so cool when the thermals just like they never go down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> You're and like invincible. If so. a deer blows at you, do you ever blow back to try and confuse it? We've tried that. I actually and have. We have. And. and and it does create a little bit of confusion, but can you take a shot at it? Maybe. You know, if it's, you're trying to shoot a doe, you might be able to get a shot on, on it. But now you're shooting, if you're archery hunting, and you're shooting at an alert animal. So there's a and chance. And you're probably taking a frontal shot at that yeah, point. Yeah, so um, 
you can try it. I mean, it's like if you're rifle hunting, at that then point, you can definitely drop it. Yeah. You, you have a second opportunity. Yeah. At that point, like it's you, either you might as well or try. Not. Yeah, you might as well try it. Um, I've definitely done it, and like, and then they're like, "Oh, <laughs> the thing that scared me was a deer." And then they take a few steps closer, and then they're like, "Wait a minute, I don't know about and, this." And not even in Florida. And we were in Kentucky, yeah. and we came up to a ridge. There was a doe sitting there, and we saw the doe before it saw us, and we creeped up to it. And eventually it stood up and was like, hey, there's something weirds over there. And that doe started blowing at us and we blew back at it. And the doe came within 30 yards. Yeah. Um, it may have been a young doe, but she did that. And then eventually turned off and, and blew for the next thousand yards. <laughs> for 20 minutes. <laughs> One of the does I had in my, in my private uh, piece of two acres actually i kept around for about 20 minutes because it would come out and it would blow because it knew something was up and then it would it would run off into the woods and then i would blow or i would bleat and it would come back out and like we were making (laughs) eye contact it knew exactly where i was but it couldn't figure it out and then it kind of just disappeared four minutes before shooting light it was probably a pretty young deer i would imagine really yeah it was it was it was one of the bigger ones that have come across my property i think like because the scent me being there all the time scent isn't as big of a factor as it is on public because they're used to the scent it's just i think they got a whiff of it at a weird time coming from an unusual place yeah yeah it normally sounds smells like uh gummy bears and apples and then all of a sudden i got a (laughs) i got a good question in here um send it so how long do you sit in one area when you know that there's bucks in the area because of cameras? I think uh, if you're coming up, if you're coming into the area on a prominent wind and the wind stays pretty good there, um, you're up next. You can definitely hunt it multiple times without any kind of issues. Uh, now, if you have shifty winds in there, then there's a chance that they're gonna pick you up and you know figure out that you're in there um even if you do have prominent winds and you're coming in through like a kind of a you know a little trail that's they're not using um there's a chance that they still will pick you up so i would say hunt it until until that buck is dead either until the (laughs) hunt it until the buck is dead or hunt it until you feel like, okay, I may have pressured this too much. Yeah. I'm going to blow this out. Or if it's something that the buck is coming in every night and you miss, you go in there and you hunt the afternoon and you don't see him that night and you don't see him on your camera, back out until you start seeing him again because there's a chance that, you know, he may have figured it out. So I kind of have like a different theory on this and that's really all it is is like, theory it's like it's the story you make up in your head that makes you feel confident in the situation it's all about confidence you know for me like if i know that a buck's coming through a certain area and i go hunt it a couple of times and i didn't see him like if i've been there like like most of the day uh like for an extended yeah you're dropping scent but but i'm also like well he didn't come through when i was there and i've got this camera there and he hasn't come through so he probably just hasn't come through the area yet or hasn't come in front of your camera. Yeah. But you can't know everything, you know? Mm. So like you kind of have to make some assumptions, but the the assumption I usually make is like, when it it depends on like how many trails there are and stuff like that. But I always try to think of the fact that, you know, 
and also like what direction the wind's blowing like if he'd came through like is there a good chance that he actually smelled you if he was like in the right direction um but if he hasn't come through while i'm hunting and he's not coming through the camera chances are he just hasn't been through there yet so i feel pretty good about hunting it again and trying to be there the next time that he actually comes through but one thing that really ruins my confidence in a spot is like if i go hunt a spot he doesn't come through and then he comes through that night i'll usually hunt it the next morning but if i don't see him then i'm usually pretty uh you know pretty okay with getting out of there yeah because i feel like he like he smelled me at that point like he came through when i wasn't there my scent's all over the place and he's probably not coming back for a while yeah just like um, when you put up a new camera you get the first few deer that come up look at the camera yeah and they come up closer to the camera i've had deer like nose pressed yeah. against the camera it's a bit and then hilarious. and then you don't see them again for a little while <clears throat> and then eventually they start showing yeah, up again. showing up and then they're like oh what's that yeah. what's it like what's it like yeah, yeah. so yeah. um yeah i mean it's, it really comes down to like if you still have confidence in it keep hunting it yeah situational or if you like live there you know then you should you might as well just keep hunting it because you can just shoot out of the window I shoot from the porch mostly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> like no, uh, I, I shot. I shot a deer muzzleloader season. I saw it. Um, I was working at my desk. I saw it out the window. I had my muzzleloader ready. I went out to the porch. I shot it, and then I took a fifteen-minute break. So many bugs Listen, in my whiskey. If, that's not a, if that is not the American dream, I don't know what it is. Can I get that bottle? There were so many bugs in here. It's ridiculous. Yes, that. But, I'll take a look at just a little dash. If that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've killed two deer on that two acres, and I usually just within a week they're back, and it's it's almost like it never happened to them. Even when you shoot them with a the muzzleloader. Shoot them with the muzzleloader. I had. I mean, it probably feels pretty safe there, even though you're shooting at them, like. It's like there's other things in the woods. You got yeah. a lot of bears and stuff. In Listen, your area. who yeah. can who can and they avoid still bed watermelons on the property and at night? What? Who can avoid watermelons and apples? That's true. You got yeah. all the delicious snacks. They, in there. they did t the bears and the deer did tear apart the apple trees. Yeah. Um. All right. Should we move on to the next question? Send it. All right. All right. What you got? You can pick any question you want. You don't have to go in order. All right. This one will be a good one for me. How do you stay in shape to hunt in hot summer weather? <laughs> All right. I lived in Florida for 25 years before moving to Georgia, and I never got used to the heat. The first time I was ever in a saddle was a Patreon hunt. <laughs> and uh, Mark climbed up. Like, we did a little practice session the night before Mark. Mark one sticked up, and I tried to SRT up, and I barely made it. Uh, I got up like to the platform. Dry heaving on I, the way up. Yeah, I, I was dry heaving. I was shaking. You were bleeding from your face because the like. Yeah, the mosquitoes got so bad to me that like, the, the sweat and the blood was just mixing. It was, like it was just like and blood just, yeah, running down. Yeah, his like a face. horror movie. Uh, it was. I felt so bad because like we didn't even really go that high. We were like 15 feet off the ground. Oh, it felt like forever up. Dude, it took you <laughs> almost an hour to climb that 15 feet. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big boy now that I'm not in the military. And yeah, um, now you can one stick and everything. Yeah, now I just watch Mark's videos and buy all the gear and then decide <laughs> I don't like it and wait for a new video. 
yeah the ultimate consumer yeah but today we like, appreciate the support though today wasn't that hot for you guys but when that e-bike that uh, that loaner e-bike ran out of juice and i had to pedal back the last what mile and a half two miles we're close to seven miles that's what i felt like it, it was rough yeah so I, bet. I think well, those bikes are heavy too you know yeah i think um those fat tires don't make them easy to pedal either no the it's not best a beach cruiser. thing yeah the best thing is probably knowing what you're in for making sure you have plenty of water i only had a bottle of water that i drank before we even started heading back well and taking breaks I, we had to take a break that same the next day when we did the, the spot and stock or when we were walking back i had to stop and take a break and sit down for a while because i was just so hot i don't even remember that no. but, it, but like, if you see me like you would think like oh you know i'm in shape and no we wouldn't yeah, not really but i mean you dude, you kind of have see these guns and these <laughs> but you have like a good excuse for like yeah but, but, but forget about that but i'm saying if you see me you wouldn't think i'm like i'm terrible shape yeah i'm not shaped like a pear like you guys well the funny thing is like <laughs> i feel like i'm like the opposite story like when you see me you think of me in like pretty bad shape but I, yeah i'd go, like i'd like to think that i'm in pretty good shape yeah like, you're like a freaking a, a mule yeah and and it's a, a total opposite for me like i I, I would you would think that I'm in terrible shape. I mean, I'm in good shape, but I'm like pretty rough because of uh, <laughs> like how many breaks I have to take. And um, well, you've been through some shit. So. Yeah. But it, with that all said and done, is like it's one of those things that um, you got to know your limits in Florida. Yeah. And I know mine. And whenever I need it. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> I need to take a break, I'm going to take a break because guess what? If I don't. I know I'm going to suffer at the end of the night. I'm the one that's going to be standing up in the middle of the night with the cramps and both my legs uh, or not even making it to the next hunting area and cramping up. Well, and I think you bring up a, a good point. Like it, it's important to know your limits, but what I think is almost even more important is you need to feel comfortable to communicate to your hunting party. Set your pace. When your limit, like when you're reaching your limit, like you need to be able to say to them, like, hey guys, we got to take a break and you shouldn't feel embarrassed because you're not as fit as them. Cause that's when you can really get in trouble is when you start put, trying to push yourself at the pace that other people are going. Um, you know, and, and I think any, any hunting group, like to work as a team, like you just need to be okay with going at the pace of the slowest person. That's yeah. And slow. also like even um, people that are, somewhat more in shape than you will realize like man i should have taken a break but they push themselves a little further and the, you, you do it quite often like you'll be like, at the end of the day you're like yeah i, I should have taken i, should have not <laughs> I might have that. gone a little too hard yeah, there i shouldn't have done that i just i regret what i did yeah um and i've had enough of those scenarios where it became to a it came to a point where i was like okay well i can't feel my legs anymore <laughs> so um yeah. maybe i should have stopped a little sooner and that's that's all uh, individual. So you have to know your limits. Know when your body is telling you, like, "Hey, um, we need to take a break," or you're gonna regret this. <laughs> you might <laughs> so, die. Yeah, and you can. You can. I mean, um, what was it like? Those those girls out in the Everglades on the airboat. Like, wasn't there like a oh a, yeah, a there was, lady that well, passed away, and it it was by dehydration. On it, on a in boat. the Everglades. Yeah, it's like on a boat. Yeah, this was uh, some. Uh, it was somebody that worked at um, FIU. Like this was a long time ago, but like like, like yeah, eleven they, years ago or something. They got stuck in the Everglades on their airboat, and so the like one of the 
there was two people on a boat. It was a, a girl and, um, and, and some guy. And the guy was like, all right, we're not that far from the levee. I'm going to hike out and go get help. Um, just stay here. I'll come back. And he hiked out and they came back and she was dead. She died of dehydration in the Everglades on the boat. Like, it's like, why wouldn't you just drink the freaking water? Cause that'll kill you. No, it won't. And it'll keep you alive long enough to get to the hospital to get like, you know, medication or whatever to take care of Giardia or whatever. So, yeah. so that's very important to know, like, uh, know that in Florida Everglades or in the Florida heat, you can perish pretty quickly um, by one, not being well hydrated. Secondly, Heat not stroke. knowing your limits and getting into yourself into a situation. I know plenty of buddies that have gone out after deer and, you know, they shot a deer or whatever and ended up tracking that deer and, and kept pushing themselves to limits where they had to get a ride back to the, um, to their truck. And it, had they not had that friend to be able to phone, they would have been dead in the, in, in the woods. Yeah. And ultimately, this is not worth it. I mean, heat stroke is 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 serious it's a real you know? thing and it happens every year and well, it doesn't like, have to be 90 degrees it can be 72 degrees and you can die of heat stroke yeah but that when it is like 90 something degrees and it's, it's so it's much humid warmer. like it's it's so brutal and you know that the video of us tracking uh ronnie's buck yeah you know uh we had a tracker come out um super awesome dude you know and he's he's an older gentleman and like a, a total badass in his own right but he just showed up not really well hydrated and we didn't really go that far but i mean he he got pretty quickly in pretty bad shape and so hydrating is so important and and that's one thing i told you yesterday or today when we were at the grocery store is like one thing you and i have started doing is like we'll chug uh like an electrolyte drink like either electrolyte yeah. or or even just like a gatorade like just get those electrolytes in your body i mean if we can get sponsored by electrolyte that'd be cool that'd be awesome i've been trying but they keep ignoring me <laughs> um but you know you get those electrolytes in your body at the beginning of the hunt you start out well hydrated and i've noticed like i'll go through like a whole like half day sit and i'll take like five sips of water because i'm so well hydrated to start with but once you get dehydrated it's almost impossible to get rehydrated while you're still exerting energy so. and not to mention like if you are drinking electrolytes drink water with them yeah. because you will your your body is more susceptible to ex accepting the water yeah. when you have the electrolytes in you because that salt and all the minerals allow your body to absorb the water yeah so if you drink an electrolyte and then some water you're you're doubling up you can also just eat salty foods will, will have a similar effect yeah and you just drink water with that and it's so much it's so important to know your limits because there's a, a good chance if you have to learn your limits the hard way then you learn them for your last time all right we're moving okay. on to the next question pick any question you want do we use wind or scent control products yes <laughs> Yes. Apparently, if you use the drag, it covers your scent behind you. <laughs> Todd just told us that today. <laughs> hey, that's what I was. Hey, told we're always by learning. Group. <laughs> no, so um, we do use um, scent products, and I don't have any solid. I think this question was more about scent control. Um, use the wind. Than... Uh, for me, I'm gonna be a hundred percent. The only scent control that I use is elevation. Yeah, I will get as high as possible in a tree or 
um, to the closest edge of a field that I might be hunting where the wind is going over an area that I don't care about because it might be private or it might be a lake or it might be a pond um, to avoid my scent because I know that there's nothing I can do here in Florida to trick the nose of a deer. Yeah. You just, I can't even trick the nose of my wife. There's, I mean, there's no way, like, <laughs> you're going to hunt in Florida and not get sweaty and, and stinky. And, like, they'll, they'll pick you off so fast. And, um, you know, something I'll do sometimes is, like, I'll pick a tree where there's a trail that they that's downwind that they might walk down. But it's close enough to the tree that I kind of know. High. Like, I know, yeah, if I get high enough and they walk that matter. trail, like, it'll blow over top of them. 100%. But once that scent, like, you know, you think about, like, a column of scent coming off of you and there's like a, a wedge close to the tree where it hasn't hit the ground yet but once it's hitting the ground like everything in that direction beyond that like they're gonna smell you so sometimes i've, I've had it work out pretty well where they just like walk right under me and my wind's yeah. blowing that way and they don't catch me and the same thing goes with like people that urine in bottles i uh, i have stopped urine in bottles since urining urinate urinating in bottles um since i was i don't know before my teens um i just send it right off the tree and i have had deer and bucks not just those come up and like sniff that and lick it and yeah they'll, they'll like yeah. Oh, it's a little, a little salty and they'll lick it and stuff um but yeah they they typically don't spook off of it it doesn't freak them out for like i've I've never, I've never had a deer like smell my pee and go, "What the hell is that?" and like I'm freak out. out. Yeah, but I've, you set your backpack down. Exactly. And like, I was about to say that it's I've that had them the sweat. I've had them yeah. um, freak out. Like I've, I, when I was hung, uh, hunting in the Everglades, we would hunt off tripods, and I set my backpack down to get my rifle over my shoulder and get ready to climb this tripod, and where that backpack touched the ground, I had a small doe come in. And boy, when she hit that spot, it was like, if you ever scared a cat, like it's, it like literally scrambled out of there, came back to the same spot, did it again and scrambled again and, um, scared the, the, her mom that was like right there and they all both walked away. Yeah. But I've never had them, them do that was any kind of a G or. Do you use any scent control products, Todd? No. Milkweed. I try to play the wind. Yeah, but you know, being being on private, they know where your house like, is. Well, yeah, I feel they, like they, I feel like this question used to me to smelling me. Do you guys do like rubber boots or like try to like rub like the dog fennel or anything like that on you to try and? I do spray like, um, cover your scent a little bit. I'll spray dough urine on my heels. I've done that occasionally. Like, I think there's definitely something to be said for like the scent that a rubber boots put down is is probably less than like cloth boots you know or like leather boots um one thing that i really try to do like is when i uh i ride my bike in i try to uh i try to use my bike to like get as close to where i need to be because when you're rolling through an area you're not really putting any scent down yeah um and so i can cruise through like i'll try to ride my bike straight to the tree um if i can uh, and a lot of times I find myself picking spots where I can do that just because I don't want to put my feet down because as soon as you put your feet down, it just puts scent down in a different way. Bike or pedal or paddle. Yeah. So, so do you just like park your bike right under your tree oh, yeah. and go up? 
Yeah, right underneath it. I mean, if they're close enough to see it, they're catching an arrow anyway. Like I don't, I've I've pretty much always done that, and I've killed plenty of deer that way. So. So the only time that that's going to mess you up is in the event that you have a hot doe coming to you, the base of your tree, and the buck is just outside of range. She sees your bike and spooks. Now she pulls him off. So if aside from that, I don't see where it would be an issue, because if the if you were looking at a shooter buck and he was well within range to see your bike, he would probably would well within range to catch an arrow. Yeah. But if you have a hot doe um, and she's a, like a mature doe, there's a chance that she's gonna pick you off and be like, okay, we need to go out of here. And that happened to us like, I think like six, four, four or five years ago, where we had a doe coming in, and it was she didn't see it our bikes because bike. we didn't have bikes, or our bikes weren't nowhere near those. I think she saw the, but she the, saw something and she turned and she was out of the area. That buck was, but, she was at forty five yards. And he was yeah, had stuck. it been had it been, uh, if she was had, coming right to us too. Oh, yeah. had you had a bike under the tree, that you know she would have busted it and and left. Well, it was. Um, that's another thing about Florida, though. It's like a lot of the vegetation is pretty thick, so like a lot of times you park your bike there and like, and I'll lay it flat. Like a lot of times, like when I come in, if it's like really tall vegetation, I'll leave it standing. But if it's if it's not that tall, I'll lay it flat, and they have to be like on it to see yeah. it. You know, I've had I had a doe um, actually this year come right up to my bike, and she was a big nanny doe, and she had two fawns with her, and. She saw the bike. She's like, I don't like that. I'm going to go around it. And she may have gave it like seven to eight feet of uh, radius. The two little fawns walked right past it. <laughs> and I was very surprised to see that she didn't like um, give them any kind of sign to like let them know, hey, by the way, you, you could have died. That could be a panther. Yeah. <laughs> a metal panther. Yeah. She she didn't give him any any kind of like indication. So they walk right past my bike, and I have the video, the whole, the whole uh, thing. It's pretty cool. Sometimes parents just don't like their kids. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe those two were really annoying. She was just you know, like, sometimes I'm done you with just this. Like, don't want to be a parent anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or she was just like, I don't know what this is. Go on ahead. You check it out. And she's like, you know what? If you die, I can just make another one of you. But if I die, that's the end of me. Like, that's you supposed know? to be a thing rats do, where like the younger juvenile rats are are sent ahead to to see if there's a trap or if it's poison and then the older ones will come along if they live and it's pretty messed up you like send your kids you go you go find out if that's dangerous so but just to go back to the drags you don't do the drags we do them all right yeah so that's all the questions we have for tonight um we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up (laughs) no we have plenty we have plenty of questions (laughs) um it's like no the the, so the drags like again like one of the things people need to realize about deer is like they can pick apart scent like you wouldn't, you know, like they can figure out like what the ingredient, like all these different ingredients that made that smell. So if you think that you can walk through the grass and get your scent all over that grass and then drag some deer pee behind you and they're going to go, oh, I smell deer pee. I'm going to ignore all these other smells. You're just lying to yourself. That's not the case. So I like doing the drags, but what I like to do when I do them is I drag them behind my bike. Like, and I, I actually, on my backpack, like in the front pouch, I have a drag tied on. And like, if I get to a spot where I'm like, I want to do a drag here, I'll like dip it into the bottle and I just toss it off the, because my bike, my pack's always tied onto my bike, you know, on the rack. I'll just toss it off the back and then I'll ride. And that's how I'll do a drag. 
Um, that said, I don't think it's ever actually worked. So, anytime you split off with them on a trail, yeah, when you see them stop up ahead. Then again, so though, that that one, uh, that hunt where I had the two does come through, like uh, right before the end of shooting light, um, the two does I let walk, they were like ten yards away. Mm -hmm. They, like, they came out of a different direction, and then they crossed the drag the drag and they kind of walked a little bit further and then they like were like mm, i'm gonna go but this way and they turned around and then basically walked straight down where the drag was hmm. but i also think it's possible that they smelled me and we're like maybe let's not go that way this smells like humans and they turned around and went the other way and they followed a trail that i didn't really go down i, I don't really know like it it could be either one yeah i always thought the drags were there to to have a stronger scent than your scent so that the deer would feel like, oh, there was a person here, but another deer has been there since then, so it's probably safe now. I mean, that, but who knows? That's definitely one way to think about it. And, and again, this is like, it comes down to like the story you put in your head that gives you the confidence, you know, like you got to trust in something and we all have a different way of interpreting things. If that's what you feel like a deer is going to think when they smell that, then run with that. Um, but that's just not what yeah. I think. The only thing I trust is corn. Oh, yeah. never let me treat All right, it's my turn to pick a question. Um, Corn's legal in Georgia on private. Same thing in Florida. One thing that's not legal in Florida is spotlighting. Um, here's an interesting question. I'm just trying to pick out questions like we haven't answered before. I feel like we've gotten a lot of these before, but um, how do you deal with thick, 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 capitalized thick vegetation while hunting on public land with regards to taking a shot with a bow? Don't shoot through it. <laughs> well, I've been there, but, done that. But imagine you're like in a spot where it's like, this is the spot I need to be, but it's like super thick. Like, what do you do? I had a time, um, it was with a gun, but I just got shoot through it just a little bit higher than the vegetation and shot down. So the vegetation was still covered, but my head and my bow were just, well, my gun were just above it just enough. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good point. Sometimes just getting a little bit higher is going to give you the angle that you need, but also, um, in my experience, even though like it'll be like thick vegetation, there's usually pockets where you can you can get an arrow through. And I like to if I'm if I know that there's a lot of vegetation around, uh, when I get up in my tree, I'll I'll get my binoculars and I'll look through those pockets to see like if there's any twigs and stuff in there. And you can usually find little holes where you'd be able to shoot. And I don't know, I feel like more often than not you're you're able to find a spot that you can weave an arrow through when a deer's moving through, you know? Um, the other option is like, if it's really just too thick and you don't think you're gonna have any shot opportunities, follow the trail that you're on um, a little further and, and hopefully you'll find a spot that's a little more open, um, you know, cause you can't really go in there with a weed whacker and just mow it all down. What do you think? Um, personally, I don't like hunting super thick spots. And honestly, unless there's something that is like 
I can smell the deer in here. I know he's coming back. I just happened to slip in here when he wasn't here. And I have to set up here. Then I'm going to find me a pocket to be able to shoot the the um, the trail he's coming in and out of. But as far as doing anything about this thick vegetation, there's nothing really you can do. Uh, get used to practicing when you draw up. You know, take your little, take your target and put it near some vegetation and learn your arrow arc to the yeah. furthest shots that you're willing to take in a thick vegetation spot. More than likely, it's going to be 30 yards. Learn where that arrow, how it um, goes above your, your sight housing and just remember that so that whenever you're going to take a shot that you know that if you draw up and it's a 30 yard shot if there's anything above your site housing within you know an inch or two um then know that your arrow is probably going to hit it yeah so you have to learn your arrow flight um when you're hunting those those thicker spots well and also like i think think about like how far into its flight is it potentially oh, yeah, that's what I mean. contact something that's like what i mean like if you're shooting 30 yards you need to know that you you have to have uh, a quarter inch above your sight housing to be clear all the way through. No, that's um, not that's not what I meant. I meant like if you're shooting thirty yards, is it gonna potentially contact something like two yards in? That's gonna really mess up your shot. Whereas if you like have some leaves that are in the way and they're like a foot from the deer, like you, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, it depends if on what you're using a me mechanical, then it opens yeah. it up and it's not going to work the same as it should. That's true. Yeah. So I'm, it's very, very I'm dependent. I'm not shooting mechanicals anymore. And also, though. if you're using a, a fixed blade and it hits a hard part of that leaf and it deflects your arrow, you're not giving that animal the benefit of the doubt to make a clean kill. So. Yeah, but I think it, it really depends on like the vegetation that you're dealing with. Like if it's like a palm frond, definitely not. That shit's like really tough. Like that's that's a bad idea. But um, you know, if you've got like a little bit of grass and it's like right next to the animal. Yeah. But the but I will say that I have I have made that choice before where I'm just like, that's gonna be fine. It's like right next to the animal, it's gonna get through there. And then you can't see the animal properly. And you think that you're shooting at a different spot on the end. That's what I do with that pig at the beginning of the season. I was like, yeah, yeah that's okay. I'm just going to go right through that that little bit of grass. And the pig had stepped into like a divot. And it was lower down than I thought. So I hit high, hit it right in the shoulder. And it just laughed at me as it ran away. Is that the pig that we see running around with the arrow in another nope, video? that is not he the pig. He claims it's not, but it is. You no, know, the, the pig that I shot, it, it dropped the arrow after like 100 yards, and it only penetrated like two inches. It like just hit the, the shoulder and was like, Mark had an arrow that had green fletching, that was it. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty <laughs> sure in that video it was white fletchings. They were green. Well, I have white fletchings, so... So you switched fletchings? No, <laughs> Is that what you're saying? The hog that was running it's around. It's not. There. It's not... <laughs> the one that I shot, the arrow went in a completely different place. Yeah. All right. So that's a that's a wrap. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Danny's brain is shutting down. He's like getting tired. I mean, we we have we, all, we're on we're running on four hours of sleep. It's nine o'clock. We, we let's take let's take like two more questions. One more question. 
All right. Well, we're uh, we're running out of hard hitting questions. So this is the last one. What's your favorite part of deer season? The beginning. <laughs> For real. It's like For the most real. exciting part. Yeah, because in the beginning, you're like so full of hope. And then like by the end, you're just like, I just want to kill a deer. Like, oh, I want to kill myself. Yeah. This is like the worst thing ever. The beginning of yeah. deer season is always the best because you're like, I'm finally in the woods. It's going to go yeah. perfect. Two weeks in, you're like, oh, my God. And then your wife hates you by the end of it. And she's like, why haven't you killed a deer yet? And they're like, I don't know. It's because I suck. Yeah, so the beginning is plain yeah. simple. But cool. I would also well, say, thanks guys for checking us out. Make sure you <laughs> tune in for another swapping stuff uh, episode. <laughs> archery, archery season is probably my favorite. But I will say I'm kind of tired of, of archery hunting. I just want to be able to reach out and touch them if I can see them. So I'm ready to hunt with a gun. So we revert to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you had all this little imagination, like oh, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna be Indiana Jones and. Every time I crack that whip, I'm going to hit right where I was going for. Uh, All right. All right, cool. You pick one well, more question. I'm going to pick one more question. Then my we're question done. is, uh, no, thanks, guys, for checking us out. We're going to go ahead and close this out with uh, those questions. You know, you guys were awesome for um, always showing support. And thanks, Todd, for coming out All to right, this I'll Patreon pick a question night. then. No, I'm doing the closure. We're not done was, yet. What do you mean I'm done? Um... This is gonna be a weird podcast when you would. I know. Like four, I would. I would love it. If you, exits. I, would, I would love it if you'd stop doing that. No, that's it. It's a wrap. No, it's not. Oh, you have to say it's a wrap. So this is what it's like to hang around them at <laughs> any point, whether or not they're Dude, recording. We have had two hours of sleep. Yeah, I will say. I, I need I, to go shower and I'm going to sleep because. <laughs> We didn't have camp set up until like 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's a great question. What's the best place to hunt in Florida if you don't get a permit? Private. I'm not going to answer that question. Private, That's like against our policy. Land. It's in private land. Uh, what are, okay, here's a fun one. All right, this this can be the last one, I promise. But you have to answer it like properly, okay? All right. What? Yeah, put on your the, big boy pants. What are the most dangerous moments that you've had while hunting in Florida? You guys have that video with the alligator. That was one of his. I've almost, I was never in danger in that ar- situation. Arguably, like, I don't think there was really a danger there. Like, that gator was in danger more than anything. Yeah. Really? Because all you guys had was, like, birdshot. Dude, you don't realize a birdshot at point blank will blow a hole through a piece of steel. No problem. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, I've almost, steel would probably bounce right off. But, like, sheet they, metal? It, it'll rip. Oh, rip. sheet metal, yeah. Yeah, what do you think but, those skulls are made out of? Yeah, like... I mean, and even if it didn't, like it would, it would definitely crack that skull. But regardless, the concussion, it would be like unable to. Yeah, the concussion wave that it would send through that brain would just like, it would, it would kill it just from the like, the impact. Yeah. Even if it didn't go through, like. I would say the most dangerous thing, um, situation that I've been in, hunting in Florida. Was that night shift that we let Mark drive? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What shift are you no, talking about? I'm just about? kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, generally speaking, when we do that, that it's, it is, yeah, it's it is a little sketchy. Um, I definitely should not get the, the late shift when we're driving somewhere. I, I, honestly, I don't think I've had a, any dangerous situations in the woods. I think I've had What more... about that time that you were hunting 50 feet up in a, a hang-on without anything to hold you to the tree? No, it was... Um, <laughs> Not a hang on. I was hunting a. Hang on. No, I was hunting a 
climber. Oh, that. And I got I got about you know twenty some odd feet in the tree, and the cable snapped on my platform for the climber. So I was able to reach down, collect all my locks because when I used to use that um, climber, I'd, and rather than using the little clips, I would use locks. Um, so I took all my locks and I created a chain. And I was able to continue climbing up to get to the elevation that I wanted to hunt. <laughs> but that was kind of, I guess, a dangerous situation. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. That I, was pretty sketchy. At, the, at that time, I didn't use a harness. Um, but, I think at that time you already were. But no, I was talking about that one time. Like It was like one of the first times we hunted together. And you, we were like texting. And you're like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm like right here. And then you're like, are you standing? And I was like yeah and you're like dude it looks like you're on the ground and i was like no way i'm like 10 feet off the ground because i had read the, this was like when i first started i was like i had read this article that was like you don't want to get too high because if you get too high then you like get bad shot angles so it was like getting 10 feet off the ground is usually more than enough i'm like all right sweet so i'm like 10 feet off the ground and I'm like looking around, I'm like, I don't even see you. Like, where the hell are you? And he's like, look up, look up further. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, holy, like, I, well, no, I still couldn't even see you from the tree. And then eventually, like, we got down, you're like, start, just start walking towards me. Maybe you'll bump something in my direction. I'm like, okay. So I start walking and I'm like, where the hell is this guy? And all of a sudden I hear like a whistle and I look up and I'm like, what the hell? Like, he's like a mile high in this tree and he's on a hang on stand with, no harness and that was that was the day that i like started giving you crap i was just like dude if we're gonna hunt together you're gonna have to start wearing a harness because like i don't want to have to drag your limp body back to the truck that was the beginning of the crap yeah and that's <laughs> when you started going to the gym right me yeah oh so i could drag his limp body yeah getting that taking it back to how do you get uh ready to hunt in hot florida weather uh drag your yeah. friends Drag your friends out of the woods. Yeah, no. I'm glad you wear um, harness now. Well, I, now we don't want our tree stands really anymore. But yeah. um, with that said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, stop. <laughs> so we have um, this really cool uh, sandbar hunt that we're at. And um, tomorrow morning, we actually have the luxury of not having shooting light till what is it 719 yeah 719 it's gonna be so nice it's, it's so cool but um yeah so if we go to sleep now we'll have just about six hours of sleep which is awesome it was just gonna be great so pop some melatonin you guys. And thanks just for like... checking us out and uh check us out on the next one <laughs> he's trying so hard to end this thing have you had any uh dangerous situation danny just left the table he's like later guys how about I'm, you todd have you had any dangerous situations i've been lost like a dozen times so now i carry like a, in your backyard a, no like in florida so now i carry like a garmin gps and i always like set up a track or something and i've almost stepped on a couple rattlesnakes but yeah i've 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 like almost stepped on a water moccasin like one time maybe two three four five six times but that was really only in one area that I was hunting a lot. Like, there was a lot of water moccasins. And realistically, like, I never really felt like I was in danger. Like, I always just kind of, like, saw them. There was a lot of pygmy rattlesnakes out there, too. But, yeah, I just always saw them, and I just never really felt um, like it was a threat. Like, I'm trying to think if there's any oh, situations. I got one. I'm, I maybe I, – <laughs> I have one 
actually. This is like a stupid one. This is just like a really bad decision that I made out there, which it ended up working out fine. And I was pretty confident in my abilities to do what I was doing. But like in hindsight, I was like, I probably shouldn't have done that. I, um, I was hunting this spot and I had seen this really nice buck. This was last year, actually. Um, I'd seen this 10 point and I, I was like, I need to be in this tree. There's only one tree. There's only one tree in this whole freaking area. And this tree is like leaning like crazy. It was like this super fat pine tree. And I was like, there's no way I'm climbing this tree in the dark, like for the first time. So I decided I, I wanted to go in there and climb it like the day before the hunt and get my stuff set up, which I usually don't do because I don't like to get my scent in there until I'm hunting. Um, but I went up there and I was SRT climbing. And I realized that like in order to get up there, what I was going to have to do is uh, attach my line, my climbing rope to like this really fat limb that was sticking out the side. And it was like, like a really big limb. So I get my line up there and it's not as close to the tree as I would like, but it was just kind of like the best that I could do. So I had this plan. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to climb up there, even though it's like three feet away from the tree. It's like from down and below, I was like, it's not that far. Like when I got up there, I was like, crap, I'm like really far away from this tree, you know? So uh, I'm like trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the tree so what i started doing i started swinging myself back and forth like and i'm like 30 something feet up in the air just dangling like over nothing you know i start swinging getting myself swinging towards the tree and i i get close enough to where i can touch it and there was this like branch sticking out the side which was like kind of like going up at a really sharp angle so it created this like really tight v and as I swing, I swing towards it and I just throw my foot and lock it into this, this V. So like my heel is stuck in this V. And at this point, like, like it's stuck in there. Like I, I'm not getting it back out. So like I'm hanging between my rope and my leg. Um, and then I was able to take my tether and throw it around the tree and clip into my bridge. So now I've got a tether and my climbing rope on my bridge holding me in two different directions. And I was able to tighten up the tether and loosen my, uh, like, are you following what I'm describing? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I tightened up my, um, the ropeman on my tether and then loosened up the, um, the, the SRT. The, yeah, the my belay device. And then you could which, get your foot which, up and out. Which allowed me to swing towards the tree. So then I was like, then I was against the tree hanging from my tether instead of from my climbing rope. Um, and then I, you know, I put my platform up and stuff like that. And then I ended up moving the rope closer to the tree, like once I was up there. But like in hindsight, I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, that was like really stupid because if I wasn't able to get that tether onto the tree like if it didn't work out like one at a certain point i started getting really exhausted because i was like just exerting a lot of energy to do it i was like what if i had gotten to a point where i was just like really exhausted and didn't have the muscle strength to finish what i was doing and then i wasn't able to get my foot out anymore like i would have just been stuck hanging 30 feet up in a tree that could have actually been really bad so that was not smart of me to do but it worked out and then the first morning that I sat that tree, Ryan Nitz came riding by 
and shot my buck right in front of me. That that sucked. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Actually, it wasn't Ryan. He was like guiding somebody who did who did shoot that buck. So it is what it is. It's public land. You you said you thought of a dangerous situation. Yeah, it was just today on the John boat with uh, Danny driving <laughs> across the the choppy waters. It was yeah, it's definitely pretty sketchy. It's been really rough, um, and we're crossing this big channel with um with a fourteen foot John boat. It's 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 a little sketchy, but you know it's pretty it fun is. too. But anyway, following Danny's suit, um, it is time for us to wrap this thing up. We need to get some sleep. But uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, if you guys want to support the channel um, or the podcast in any way, please go check out some of the links that are down in the description of this podcast. Um, there's some uh, some coupon codes in there. You can save some money on uh, gear, uh, saddle hunting gear for the most part, but also uh, Spartan Forge app is a really awesome new mapping um, and hunting tool app that you can get. Um, which has, has really um, been pretty cool to use. It's got a lot of cool new features. Like they just came out with um, with this like blue team. I think it's called blue team beta. Um, and it's like uh, you can share certain areas that you hunt with your friends. And but you can like you can like surround a like a piece of public land or like um, the boundary of the area that you're hunting and then select which team of people hunts that particular area so that when they like they can open the app they can see everybody's points that are in there and when anybody goes into that polygon you can see their location so it's pretty cool when you're hunting a certain area with people but you don't necessarily want to share all your points with people pretty dope um I'm going to do a video pretty soon showing all those features. But anyway, go check out that app um, and use the coupon code to get 20% off. And uh, our neighbors at the camp have a dog that's barking. Anyway, you think I need to make any other announcements? No. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you guys on the next one. Peace out. Oh, that's not the right button. <laughs>